Hello, listeners. Welcome back to 444 Westminster, a podcast about planning and development in the city of Providence that aims to give you, our listener, a better understanding of topics related to planning a city. Whether you're listening from Providence or elsewhere, we are glad that you're here. My name is Tim Rondo, and I am the Director of Communications and External Affairs and experiencing COVID for the first time ever during an insufferable heat wave. Um, quick side note, when I finally tested positive um, for COVID, I, I got on the Paxlovid antiviral. Um, if you test positive, give your doc a call. I believe it helped me a lot. So this is our 10th episode, which means this will be the last one for a little while, the season finale, if you will. More to come on this at the end of today's episode, but fear not, I am already planning for a season two and perhaps a few fun shakeups to the format. But I really wanted to end this season with a subject that really encompasses what we strive for in planning, but maybe doesn't get as much public attention as it should. Um, And hopefully today's guest will help us change that. She is Providence City Planning's Director of Community Development. She first joined as an Associate Director in 2016 and has helmed the division since 2017. She holds a Master's in Resource Economics and Policy with a concentration in State and Local Economic Development. She's a specialist in the administration of federal grants, grant compliance, and affordable housing finance, and has managed community development programs and projects in Maine, Massachusetts, and right here in Rhode Island. A big 444. Welcome to Emily Friedman. Emily, hello, my COVID buddy. <laughs> thank you. Thank How you. Are thank you. Today? you. I'm, I'm recovering. Yes, Good. Thanks yes. for having me. Of course. Of course. Before we get into the subject at hand, uh, I'm going to ask you some fun-ish questions um, so that our listeners can get to know you a bit better. Are you ready? Yes, of course. Amazing. Um, I've asked all but a few guests this, but what is your favorite spot to visit in Providence? Most definitely Roger Williams Park. I am obsessed. Any particular part? My favorite part about the park is every time I go there, I find a new corner I haven't visited, a new feature I haven't seen, a new type of wildlife that I've observed. I'm a little directionally challenged. And so anytime I'm in there, I I try and find my way around and I'm always bumping into new things um, and new fun places to visit. So totally get that. Um, Who might play you in a movie about your life? You know, my friends joke that I'm a Leslie Nope type. So I think uh, Amy Poehler, I guess. I love that. Yeah, yeah. No, a lot of um, a lot of folks ask me, they're like, is it is it like Parks and Rec? And I'm like, it is, but it's not. So, yeah, I, I, and I love Amy Poehler. Honestly, there, there could be worse uh, people me, to choose for sure. Um, what is your biggest pet peeve? I would say at this exact moment, it's it's people who are not covering their coughs and their sneezes enough already. Please. Yeah. yeah. I think pre-pandemic, that was annoying. And post-pandemic, it's, it's insufferable. So yes. I'm with you. Also, one I've asked a few times before, but what is something that you learned about yourself during the pandemic? I would say as a division we all really found this additional gear that I think we didn't know we had. Um, I have to take the opportunity to commend the community development team for how they rose to the occasion to really help get CARES relief dollars out into the community. And then on a lighter note, on a personal side of things, I think I realized I need to get out more because (laughs) Netflix binges on the couch and spending my free time puttering around the house are sort of my normal state pandemic (laughs) or not. I think we would get along outside of work as well, because that's that's really my normal state as well. Although 
you know, I, I did return to live music. Um, recently I went to a concert, um, which is my, my one thing where I'll leave the house and feel like really good about it. So that's it. I think that's where I got COVID anyways. Uh, last question for you. What is another career that you might have if you didn't work in planning? So I think my course of study was economics. So I might have been uh, an economist, okay. um, though in another life, I, I think I fantasize a little bit about being a florist. What's your favorite flower? I love them all. Yeah. It just seems very appealing to exercise that, that creativity and work with beauty all day long. Totally. I'm partial to an orchid. Um, uh, yes. But, yeah. Yes. All right. Now that we have the important questions answered, um, let's move on to the topic of today's pod, which is community development, as you alluded to earlier. First things first, I was hoping that you might be able to give the listeners just a general overview of the community development division of Providence Planning, and then maybe more specifically, what are the functions and goals of community development as it operates today? Be happy to. Thank you for the opportunity. Of course. The Division of Housing and Community Development is a specialized division within the planning department. I would say our largest function is serving as a bridge between the federal resources that the city receives from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development and meeting community needs. We, as a division, sort of serve as the conduit for the deployment of those funds. We also conduct specialized planning processes to develop our investment strategies with these funds to combat historic disinvestment in our neighborhoods to guide the process to select and target projects to meet unmet community needs. And then we deploy and fund a wide array of services and programs, which we deliver both in-house and through qualified community-based organizations. Amazing. So as you mentioned, the Community Development Division is tasked with allocating federal grant money to improve the lives um, of some of our most vulnerable residents, low to moderate income, I've also noticed that there's a a wide variety of issues that community development helps to address through the funds. Like it's, it's very expansive. So I was just hoping you could fill us in on what types of services HUD funded programs provide. And if you can give us some examples of like federally funded programs that we work with in planning. For sure. So the biggest pool of funds that we administer to address community needs are what are referred to as the community development block grant program. So I speak in a lot of acronyms, alphabet soup all day long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I paused at HUD because I was like, do people know what housing and urban development? But yeah, I think yes. we talked about it. Yeah. 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 So the funds flow through the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. Uh, the biggest pool of funds is what we call the CDBG program, Community Development Block Grant. We get about $5 million annually as a city. And so we have just wrapped up our annual action plan process, which is the spending plan we develop for the dollars that we then need to submit to HUD for their review and approval. Okay. So that plan includes the projects we're going to be funding, the associated goals and outcomes that we're going to meet through those investments. So the housing we're going to we're going to build or rehab, the social services they're going to be delivered, the economic development programs that we're going to be operating, et cetera. So as you noted, the CDBG program can fund a broad swath of projects and eligible activities. So that's where the that action plan process and our planning processes are so important to make sure that we're investing most effectively and targeting the greatest needs in our particular community. In addition to CDBG, we also get what are called the Home Investment Partnerships Program Funds, HOME, H-O-M-E. 
That's about $1.7 million this year that we have for direct investment in affordable housing development, preservation, and down payment assistance. So we leverage those dollars uh, to build long-term affordable deed-restricted housing. And we leverage uh, Providence Housing Trust, low-income housing tax credits, and other resources to build both homeownership and rental units. We also fund a down payment assistance program through the Housing Network of Rhode Island to reduce barriers to homeownership. Uh, Additionally, we receive funding through what's called the Emergency Solutions Grant Program, ESG, which is about $450,000 a year that we get to to serve people experiencing homelessness. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's a limited pool of dollars to address a very big problem sure. um, and a very big challenge. And so what we have done due to the depth of need and the complexity of this issue is partnered with other HUD grantee cities in Rhode Island, such as Pawtucket and Woonsocket, and the state of Rhode Island to create what we call the Consolidated Homeless Fund, uh, which allows us to leverage millions of dollars and ensure that we have a holistic continuum of services, facilities, and rental assistance within Providence and across the state. I, I know that um, recently, Shower to Empower from House of Hope, how many showers did, did they announce? So big milestone. Um, yeah. The House of Hope CDC has received ESG grants through the city since the inception of this mobile unit. It's been a pilot that the city was proud to be a partner in and is excited about how impactful it has been. House of Hope just celebrated uh, or hit the milestone of 5,000 showers delivered. Amazing. So 5,000 showers, well over a thousand haircuts, over a thousand medical services, and at the same time are offering street outreach and essential services to folks who are unhoused and present at this unit. And we struggle with the word celebrate because of course, you know, it's it's um we're proud of this pilot. We're proud of how effective it's been. But ultimately I hope I think everyone's hope is that one day it's a service that's not needed. That's but right. that is an ESG funded service and it's something um you know, the city's been able to deploy these dollars to address a, a, what's been an unmet need and a growing need in the city. Huge congratulations to House of Hope. I know that Hopwell comes up often. Is that is that still a program that um, that is being utilized? It, it is. It's, it's not a well-known program, yeah. but the city actually receives $1.3 million annually to fund services and housing supports for people living with HIV and AIDS. And what's not well-known is this is actually a regional program. Um, so the city receives dollars, but we are charged with serving not only Providence County, but also Bristol County, Mass. So we have partners throughout the region who are serving this particular population, which we know struggles to maintain their housing, address their uh, medical and service needs. And so these dollars are really critical to serve to serve the region. And lastly, I, we will stop alphabet soup after this, <laughs> yes. but I know that um, actually we're done with alphabet soup, lead safe programs. We talk about uh, lead safety often. I know that a lot of my interactions with you have been in regards to our lead safety program. So I was wondering if you could just give us a little, little overview on that. Absolutely. And thanks for the opportunity to tout this program. Uh, we receive as a city and have been successful in applying for a competitive grant through HUD to address lead-based paint hazards in in our housing, our private housing stock. And so unfortunately, lead-based paint continues to be a serious safety issue for young children. Mm -hmm. Um, In the city of Providence, having a very old housing stock means we have a lot of unsafe rental housing. And so this is a resource, and we are constantly trying to promote it, 
um, we are able to, through that grant, operate the Lead Safe Providence Program, which is a forgivable loan program for uh, abatement of lead-based paint hazards in homes where young children reside. And we can also make healthy housing repairs through those funds. So the funds are available and we are constantly recruiting uh, new participants. So if anyone has interest, there is information on our website and through our partner, Community Action Partnership of Providence. Um, please enroll today. Yeah, that, that is such an expansive and vast array of topics to cover in, in one division of planning. So uh, kudos to you folks and your team for being able to deliver on those on those funds. Once your division gets approved for a grant on any one of those topics, and I know that there's plenty more uh, funding available that we didn't speak about, but um, what's the process that community development generally goes through from approval to dispersal of funds to community groups? Sure, absolutely. So the good news is the city is what's considered an entitlement community. So for a lot of these grants we mentioned, we know that we're going to receive them. We, We receive an annual appropriation each year. Okay. So what's really helpful is that helps us to have uh, the advantage of predictability and a well-established process to deploy those funds. Yes. So we solicit applications um, around January of each year, and then we go through a review and budget development process to identify the activities to be funded. Um, That includes a series of public hearings through the City Council, Urban Redevelopment, Renewal, and Planning, aka ERP not done with the alphabet soup, (laughs) URRP, ERP committee, um, where we hear from those applicants, stakeholders, and the public and develop a slate of activities. We then incorporate that list of activities into a larger annual action plan that gets submitted to HUD for their review and approval. We then can issue award letters to grantees and work with the outside organizations that we fund to finalize their budgets and the proposed outcomes. We can contract for those funds. And all of the funds we have to offer, it's important to note, are performance-based grants. So we have to ensure and work to make sure that deliverables are clear and that the dollars are going to be employed to directly serve our low and moderate income residents and neighborhoods. Then the community development team provides ongoing technical assistance to the outside organizations that we work with and work through to ensure that the administration of these grants is as smooth as possible. We then compile accomplishment reporting, which we share with HUD, and we utilize for ongoing monitoring of these of these programs, program evaluation, but also for learning and to inform our policymaking as a city. Obviously, it's quite an extensive process, but also it makes sure that we're accountable and makes sure that community groups and, and partners that are delivering on these services are, are accountable and and at the end of the day, I'm making sure that the money's going to um, to where it needs to get to and, and is effective in, in doing so. So I know that you have some upcoming initiatives in the pipeline. Would you care to give us a sneak peek of what's to come in, in the next year or so? Yeah, I would love to. You know, of course, our annual action plan is full of a number of different initiatives and programs that we'll be operating either ourselves as a city or through community partners, but there are a few new initiatives that of course are exciting in the new fiscal year. So one of the goals of the CDBG program is to foster economic opportunity. And so we're excited to be supporting another offering to further that goal. Innovation Studios Pathway Program. This is going to be a program that provides outreach and individualized technical assistance and support services to entrepreneurs and small business owners to help them form and grow their businesses. Innovation Studio is able to offer advising workshops and cohort-based training series to businesses at zero cost. 
Uh, the city, I'm sure, is going to be helping to get the word out about enrollment. But also, if you're a small business owner or you're interested in entrepreneurship, launching your own business, drop into their new Biz Bodega location, which is on Manton Ave, which opened recently to inquire. Amazing. Yes, I heard about that. Um, awesome. Uh, that's such an exciting program. Yeah. And uh, you may, I mean, certainly front of mind right now is, you know, we find ourselves in an affordable housing crisis. And so CDBG is an additional critical resource in the preservation and creation of affordable, safe, and habitable housing. So this year, two great projects we're excited about are planned improvements at Operation Stand Down's 14-unit um, Veterans Affordable Housing Project on Convent Street, and a grant we're going to be making to Open Doors, who are going to be purchasing and rehabbing a new building to create a transitional recovery housing program that's going to be paired with ongoing supportive services and job training. Yeah. And then finally, on the um, public service side, one of our new grantees this year is Clothes to Kids. This is a new public service partnership. And this great organization provides a free wardrobe, a week's worth of clothing to very low income K through 12 students in Providence schools so that they can feel confident and comfortable throughout the school year. We're really excited to provide a first-time grant to this organization so they can expand this offering and this program to assist more families who may be struggling to meet their most basic needs. Finally, if a community partner wants to apply for a community development funding opportunity, how can they do that? So we have lots more information on the division's webpage, including a link to subscribe to our listserv, our email listserv, to ensure your organization is receiving notices of info sessions, workshops, applicable application periods, all that. We also encourage organizations to reach out to us and meet with us proactively. We love to hear from you all about potential projects. We want to give any guidance or technical assistance we can to position you as an organization to apply and be successful in accessing these funds. And we're always willing to make connections to other funders as well, so we can help braid funds to maximize the dollars that are going into Providence projects. So please connect with us. Um, We welcome new applicants. We welcome creative ideas and are always excited to pilot new initiatives to meet gaps and community needs. Absolutely. Yeah, I will um I will include a link to the listserv when I post this episode. And yeah, if you're a community organization and you are, you know, just getting started and you want to learn more about how to get involved and provide these life-changing services to our most vulnerable uh, community members, I would definitely recommend making that connection, getting on the listserv with community development. They do incredible work. Um, That's all I got for today. Thanks again for agreeing to join me, Emily. Um, Thank you. And thanks to you, listener. As I mentioned, this is a season finale for our first season. So this marks the beginning of of a hiatus. I'm not sure how long the hiatus will be, but I plan to be back by the end of the year. Um, I've had such an amazing time working on this project over the past six months. And so it's not goodbye. It's definitely see you soon. So be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Prob Planning and on Instagram at Providence Planning for updates on everything Providence Planning related, including community development and for um, information on when this podcast will return. So until next time, thanks so much, Emily. Emily.